When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they spent 40 years in a wilderness. When they were about to enter the new land and establish themselves as a community with property, uh, Moses, who had led them to that point, gives them a final uh, parting shot, so to speak. And this is what we attribute as the book of Deuteronomy. And so when you read that, that's kind of like his last declarations. Um, and he's, it's shortly before he dies, but he's trying to lay it out and say, this is what you need to do to, to not only survive, but to flourish in this land. And so what I'd like to do is pick up with a, a familiar passage out of chapter 6, and look at some of the dynamics of that and just address it this morning. It says, This is the command, the statutes, the rules of the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. So he's saying, this is more than just one generation. This is for an ongoing thing. This is what needs to take place if you want to be here a long time. By keeping his statutes and commands, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Here, therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly. The Lord your God, your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. So he's, he's laying out as a part of this covenant with this people group, saying, there's three things that I'll offer you if you know, that are available to you if you follow these guidelines appropriately. In other words, long life, well-being, and to flourish, you know, to expand and multiply. So when we're looking at that and we're reading this, the knowledge is, is that if they were willing to be intentional about their lives, that there was a promise attached to that lifestyle. And so I, I look at it for myself and I start to walk through and say, okay, how intentional am I being about life? Now, obviously, the covenant with Christ is different than this particular Old Testament covenant. But I want you to know, too, that in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to kill and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So he's saying, I have intent for your lives as well, and there's an abundance attached to it. Now, the question is, what does abundance, what's the definition of that in regard to our lives in the Lord, right? And one of the things that I encourage you to ask is, is to go, God, what does abundance look like in my life? Because it's going to have a different aspect for each of us. And it isn't just a money thing. That may be part of it. But there's a wealth about life that's available to us as we participate in the Lord. And so there's a, it's a, something we need to ask and just say, what do you desire? How can I live intentionally to see all that you desire to come out of my life? I... Uh, I reminded of the story of Paul. Remember when he's, a man named Ananias is going to go pray for him after Paul has this encounter with God. And the declaration is made to Ananias, I'm going to show him how much he has to suffer. <laughs> That's part of the abundance in his life. 
But he is also going to be a witness to the Gentiles. And of course, we look back and we say, I'm so glad that he carried out that mission and ministry. Who was more effective than him? Who wrote more books? You know, you, we look at it and we say, what an incredible thing. But this was declared over his life before he ever got started in it. And I just suggest to you that there's an opportunity for us to call out in the Lord and say, what do you see of my life? What do you desire to accomplish through me and in me? And as we look at that, then that life begins to unfold. Okay. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So there's that famous first command. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them and sit in your house. You walk along the way, when you lie down, when you rise. He's saying, this needs to be a part of your conversation in everything you do. So, that said, if we take that into this setting, you know, writing it on your gates. How many have a gate to their house? You know, doorposts, all that. But, how many have a Facebook page, and what does it say about you? Okay. You know, if you go look at my page, you're going to see sustainable living things and grandkids. Um, you'll also see that I post about once every five years. Um, well, a little more than that recently. We got a phone with a camera. <laughs> really updated. <laughs> no, I'm not telling you the number. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but I have a friend, a a dear friend, who uh, is one of the people that I'd really like to be around, a a pastor friend, but uh, he wrestles with his weight. He's 350 plus, about six foot tall, and uh, in one of our times together, I felt like the Lord told me, you need to talk to this man about this. Well, that's the last thing I wanted to bring up. And, you know, I debated for two days before I finally got out and just said, you know, I'm worried for you. I'm worried that you're not going to see your kids grow up. I'm worried that you're going to fall into ill health. And, and I just said, something needs to happen. And, and he received it. He said, I've been thinking about this. I'm so I was really encouraged the other day when he posted, I had been away from soda pop for uh, 92 days. He had counted it. Um, that said, when I look at his posts, they're almost all connected to barbecue and, you know, food has a huge part of his life. And, and I'm looking at going, okay, my next step with him is to say, how do I gently bring this up that this is your passion, but you've got to start adjusting that if you're going to adjust, you know, your long-term goal is to, to do lose some weight. Well, I, I look at that and I go, okay, there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, I've dropped some of my friends in, in even that thing simply because everything they posted was sensuous, and I'm just going... You know what, I know where your head's at, but 
I don't want to see that every day. You know, and, and yet I can go through and I can tell who loves trucks. I can tell who loves hockey. I can tell who loves movies. I can tell who loves family. I can who lo who loves themselves. You know, <laughs> click, click, click. You know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a fair evaluation, right? And, and you know, you can, I mean, there's, there's other things even with electronic, I mean, when you go to YouTube, what pops up is your presets. What advertising comes to you through your email because they know that you've looked at these things. So, you know, that said, this scripture is saying you should be very intentional about what you're investing and what your conversation is and what people even see about you. I mean, when it says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes and write them on your doorposts and on the gates, what it's saying, it says whatever you look at, do it with the, the eyes that see God's hand or, or speak to him, whatever people see of you, let them see your declaration for the Lord. And so there's opportunity for us to live that way even now, if we'll take it. But the challenge often for us is, is what are we actually portraying and what is our passion? We declare the Lord. We say, yes, of course. But Often what's demonstrated, in, in, even in a visual sense, is far from that. So the, the challenge is, to, how do I start making intentional correction? Particularly if I want this to go on generations. How do I start moving this so that what's coming out of my life and what's being spoken and what's being declared loves God, heart, soul, mind, and strength? And, and so there's opportunity to start intentionally tweaking things, so to speak. You know, we live in a day where, you know, there's so many theories on parenting, but one of the, the common things is you don't want to cripple them. You know, let them find their own path. This scripture does not say that. This scripture says keep declaring it. Keep speaking it. Keep it as a part of the conversation always. It doesn't, <laughs> you know, as a pastor, one of my gripes, I got forced to go to church as a kid, so I, you know, I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want. Well, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. Maybe you shouldn't have been in that particular church. I don't know. But the truth is, you need the congregation and they need you. And, you know, if, if you're going to assume that your kids are just going to catch it, well, you're violating what the Scriptures declared. So, you know, good luck with that. It doesn't happen. You know, if, if, if Moses is making this declaration and saying, you want this to go on for generations? You've been handed this land that's amazing, but you want it to go past you, you're going to have to put some investment here. 
you're going you're gonna to have to put some training into these kids and set them up for their kids. You want to last in this land? This is what you're going to have to pour yourselves into. Galatians makes this point. You can't fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. Contemporary English version again. I love it. You're not going to fool him, so why are you fooling yourself? You'll harvest what you plan. You follow selfish desires, you'll harvest, self, you'll harvest destruction. But if you follow the Spirit, you'll harvest eternal life. There's a reward for such things. So we invest. You know, now, you know, it's that fine balance, right? We're saved by the Lord. We've been offered this salvation through Jesus Christ. But he also gave you a mind, so use it. You know? He gave you a brain, and he gave you the wisdom to make choices, so he expects you to use it and to develop it. You want to see the fullness of abundance of life that he's promised for you? Then invest yourself wholeheartedly as well, knowing that he's going to overcome the things that you can't, that he's going to accomplish the things you can't even dream about, that he's going to open the doors that you don't even know are there. But at the same time, he expects you to use the gifts that he's given you. And part of that is to intentionally look at things and say, I will speak of the Lord's name and see his application of life in every facet that I can find it in. Back to Deuteronomy. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, you have all these houses that you did not build, full of good things that you did not fill, cisterns you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Take care lest you forget the Lord. What a contrast to say, everywhere you look, let him be a part of that. He says there's an opportunity for you to be distracted by the, the amount of things that you have. There's an opportunity for you to be looking at the vineyard and the house and the sister and, it, you know, in that day's vernacular, right? To gather so much around you that you forget what's really essential. So he's saying, mark everything you have. This is from the Lord. When your son asks in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules of the Lord God has commanded you? You say, we were slaves. We were stuck in Egypt. God brought us out and saved us. The Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that we might preserve us alive as we are this day. He says, we do these things that we might be preserved. And it will be righteous for us if we are careful to do all the command before the Lord our God as he commanded us. I'd like to read one last passage out of Ephesians. It says, you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. 
He rules the world in His Spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. Once we were also ruled by selfish desires in our bodies and minds. We had made God angry and we were going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sins, but God loved us so much they made us alive with Christ. And God's wonderful kingdom is what saves you. Now that's, that's the New Testament picture of God bringing a people out of bondage. That's the New Testament picture of a new covenant in Him. But listen to this a few verses later. God planned for us to do good things and to live as He always wanted us to live. That's why He sent Christ to make us what we are. It was always His intent to develop our lives. It was always His intent to bring us into a form of abundance. It was always His intent that we would flourish. Whether Old Testament or New, there's this idea of Him investing in our lives that we might flourish in Him. So the question comes out again. What is His desire for you? What is His desire for your life? And then are you being intentional in your pursuit of those things? Thank the Lord that that's our opportunity, huh? Available to us. We pray, Lord, that you will make us wise. And as we have read this scripture and acknowledge your faithfulness in generations past, it's our desire that our lives would flourish in you, but not only ours, but our children and our grandchildren and all who would follow us. And so we ask that you help us to incorporate into our lives the knowledge of you and the declaration of your faithfulness in everything we see and do. And Lord, we ask that uh, for whatever gives demonstration of our lives and for whatever gives declaration of our interests and passions, that that would make statement of your goodness. Amen. The way I see it, you can do a couple things. Um, you can unfriend me. <laughs> Do not say, I don't usually post this, but maybe you go home and clean things up and say, you know what? This isn't really declaring what I want to have declared. Or maybe you just walk through and just say, Lord, this is an opportunity for you to be honored. And so I'm going to be very careful this point on. Yeah. The worst of it is um, a lot of my friends are uh, in that 60 plus range that have entirely too much time on their hands. It's sick, let me tell you. But um, we truly want the fullness of God to be seen through our lives and in our lives, not just seen, but to be a part of us. And we want that to be a part of those around us as well. We have opportunity to intentionally move that process forward in Him. What a privilege that is. Let's make the most of it. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the abundance that you hold for them. I ask, Lord, as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak. 
in all forms. I pray that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I pray. Be lifted up and exalted, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. What remains is open-ended worship. There is a meal downstairs afterwards. Lord bless you.